Thank you for joining another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. I am so excited. Today I get to interview a fellow Texan. I interview people all over the world and very seldom do I get to interview people right here in Texas. And so today I have Michael Piefler. How are you, Michael? I'm fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to be here. Let me tell you guys a little bit about Michael. He's a senior executive with a proven track record of planning and execution of business objectives. He has strong business management background with an expertise in training, development, strategic planning, and market development. He is a problem-solving team leader, and he loves what he does. So, Michael, how did you start your career, and how did you become this amazing person that actually says, I like team building and problem-solving in my bio? Yeah, well, it sounded like it was written by somebody that liked me. So let's just start there. But uh, <laughs> so my background is education. Um, I was an actual, um, I started as a music education major in college. I went to school in Texas Tech up in Lubbock. And then uh, my first gig was teaching down in Houston. I was a junior high and high school band director down in the Fort Bend area and taught for eight years there and a couple of other spots in Texas. And for those who are from Texas know that everyone outside of Texas knows that football is a big deal. Friday night football, right? Friday night lights. Well, if you also know that that's big, you know that Friday night music is big too. So the band programs were huge, big deal. So I taught for eight years, made the decision to get out, see if I could do something else, wanted to kind of test myself. Grew up pretty poor, so I started working when I was about 15. So I took every job I'd ever had and checked off everything I liked about what I did and didn't do in my life, you know, putting myself through college and all those things and came up with a set of skills that I said, man, how do I get paid to go do that? And that led me to corporate training and development. So I am in every way a teacher. That is who I am. And so I came to a company as a corporate trainer. We were doing soft skill business development, late 90s, early 2000s, when companies were growing so fast. We were fighting to keep people you know, on board and recruit and building the next level of talent. So I was doing a lot of that stuff, really got my business acumen sharp getting a chance to do that. And then my boss, who is a mentor of mine, came to me and said, listen, I've got this opportunity to run this program. And it's a basically, it's a business development program, partnership program. But the last three people that have had the job didn't make it to 90 days. And you run training as well as anybody I've ever had. So you can just stay and keep running training or you can do this. And I said, well, that sounds exciting, Mike. But who's going to run training? I care a lot about it. He said, oh, see, this is the cool part. You get to do both. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And I said, well, what if I hate it? Can I go back to just running training? And he said, no, that's not how this works. If you want to play, you got to put skin in the game. Mm. And I said, let's go. And so I did. And that really got me into it. So I started traveling 20 countries a year, working with other manufacturers, building programs. And then eventually it led to he and I in the Drake Hotel in Chicago going out to see customers. And he looked at me and said, look, you've done everything I've ever asked you to do, but you never carried a bag, never been a salesperson. And I know you've got the work ethic to do it. So I'm not going to let you just go be a salesperson. I'm going to make you build teams. We're going to build a new focus, vertical focus in the company. And you're going to go build the teams to go build it. So you got to build the business case. You got to go give us the justification, the return on investment, find our product and how it fits in. For that, it was education. So we had a K-12 team, which was a very different model. 
And then we had a higher education, both very different models, different product offerings, different solutions. And it just kind of grew from there and kept going. And I was there for 17 years. And then we got acquired by a company that was really slow compared to what we were like. Big giant came in. And after about two years of sitting around waiting to go do something, I left and went to a little bitty company. And we started really growing that. And it was exciting and fun. And then we got bought by a much bigger company. And it was really slow again. And so a year in, I was calling them going, man, I'm working 30 hours a week. This is the most boring job I've ever had. Like, we gotta, you know, we're making our number. We're your top forecasting team in the company, but we're dying here. And at that point, I just decided to leave and go find another opportunity. And I came to Atlas IED, family-owned business. Been around for 83 years plus. Second generation ownership at this point. Um, looking to kind of reinvent the brand and really reinvigorate the team with the the younger generation now running the company and uh, got to join some amazing people and have been there for, it'll be four years in October. So fantastic. And I love what I do. I've got a great sales organization and a great team of people and yeah. Wow. So you have so many things that we, we're going to unpack. The first one is there are a lot of people who are actually in education right now and they're like, ah, I don't know if I want to continue doing this. Maybe I want to be in sales. Maybe I want to do this. And what you said is, hey, I took something that I knew how to do really well and I used those skills and translated them to a different industry. It's the same thing that I did when I went from being a chemist on the bench and I started selling yeah. to those people because I understood that world, right? I really yeah. understood and I got what they needed. So yeah. tell me about how you were able to transfer your skills from doing one thing within the education realm into really getting into the training environment. Yeah, sure. So really simple. I get talked to by teachers all the time who know that I made the jump and they want to know. And it's sad state of our country and our world right now that people want out of education like they do. And I'm at a point in time, my age, where all of my friends that I was teaching with, they're all retiring now. They're hitting it. As soon as they get their number, they're getting out. They just don't want to put up with it anymore. And it's a sad state of affairs of where we are. But I tell every single one of them the exact same thing. Most people in the real world have not worked a day as hard as you have as a teacher. People have no idea the amount of effort and time and compassion and patience and multitasking it takes to manage a classroom period after period and to manage administrators and to manage parents and to manage all the other forces that go into it. And so I always tell people, look, find what you love to do. Find what, what it is that when you do, the clock goes really fast, right? Not the thing that every time you look at the clock, it's like, oh man, it's only been three minutes. Like, you know, when I'm in the gym, right? It's like, ah, oh, man, I've only been doing this for three minutes. I thought I've been doing this for like an hour, right? Yeah. Uh, it's like, why is this taking so long? Find the thing that you love to do and then figure out how to get paid to go do it. And don't worry about your skill set because your work ethic and your ability to learn because teachers are learners fundamentally, you know, your ability to do that will take you far. Good communication skills are critical as a teacher critical in business, right? Understanding what it is you're talking about, right? Being prepared. Yeah, that's what we do every day, right? Do we know what we're talking about? Are we prepared to handle it? Are we prepared to practice it? 
Are we prepared to go out and talk to somebody? Rejection is one thing from a sales standpoint that teachers aren't used to in the same way. So mm. that is a little bit of a jump, but everything else, I remember when my boss came to me and said, I've got a team not performing well, can you go in and fix it? And as I was going through the process of trying to understand the staffing and the focus and how they were using their time and all that stuff, I was like, I'm just doing a gap analysis. This is the same thing I did as a teacher, right? Here's where you are, here's where you're trying to go, here's the plan of how you're gonna get there. Same exact thing. So yeah, I tell teachers all the time, you guys will kill it in the corporate world and you'll work much harder and you'll look around at everybody and go, why does everybody need this much time to get this done? I got it done in half the time. <laughs> I love it, I love it. And you know, one thing that most people don't realize is every single thing that is in the environment that you're working in is sold by a salesperson. Those textbooks right. that you're using, the overhead projector, the whiteboards, the smartboards, all of those things are sold by yep. a salesperson. And so the easiest step into sales from any career, whether it's education or engineering or you're a nurse, like look around you and look at all of the different product names and go to those companies and apply for those That's jobs, right? right? Yep. Like reach out Absolutely. to those hiring managers on LinkedIn and say, hey, XYZ, I've used your product for 10 years. It is amazing. And yep. I am looking for a career change. I would love to come sell for you, be a corporate trainer, be in supply chain, whatever it is, like you said, that thing that makes you so excited and yep. really stepping your toes into sales. That is one of the things people don't do. They're like applying for all of these giant companies out here who they don't know anything about and they don't know them. Start with what you know. Absolutely, yeah, no, that's it. And look, one of the reasons that I have headed up so much effort into education is because I came from the space. And you know, I had people I worked with and then I'd get up in front of a group of teachers and start talking to them and they would look at me like, who are you? Like. You're a teacher, holy cow, you've been hiding the whole time. And I'm like, these are my people, right? I mean, these are the folks that, but look, to be fair, it's one of the skills that I think is necessary to be a salesperson. You've gotta be willing to learn and you gotta be willing to teach. You gotta be willing to teach each other, teach your team, help your coworker, help your person, share experiences, right? All of that is, is a critical part of going and being successful in what we do on a daily basis. Yeah. So it's really, again, transferable skills. Absolutely. I always say we serve, we don't sell. And one of the things that, I keep saying one of the things, one of the, the many things that I talk about all the time is teach them and they will come, right? Yep. So whether you're a leader or you're an individual contributor, your job is to impart your knowledge, the things that you know on your customers, on your sales team. And if you already have that background, it's so much easier to do it, right? Absolutely. So you took these skills that you had in education and you translated them into the corporate arena. And I really enjoyed when you talk about a boss that you had who said, yeah, no. So pretty much you don't have the option to fail. It's just going up. What were some of the emotions that were going through your brain at that point? I was excited at the opportunity. I'm not a person that sits around well. I, you know, he and I were at event, an event years later and someone said, so Michael, what is it you do? And he stepped in and said, let me answer this question if you don't mind. And I was like, oh no, like, what's he gonna say, right? And he said, Michael's my fix-it guy. He builds things that don't exist and he fixes things that are broken. And that's, that's a good definition of who I am, right? I don't have long-term patience. I have a lot of patience in the moment. 
but I get bored doing the same thing forever and ever and ever. I like building stuff. I like evolving and growing. If we're just going to do the same thing every day, it's, I'm not that person. There's other people that are great at that, right? That are those great sustainer type personalities. For, for me, it's building. So when there was an opportunity presented, yeah, there was a risk, but there's always a risk. And so it, I jumped at it because um, why wouldn't you? Right. I trusted him. He hadn't given me any reason not to. And look, I spent that whole holiday. It was right before Christmas. And I remember I spent two weeks on my computer during my Christmas break trying to learn about all these customers I was going to be working with. So for me, it was exciting. It was it's what I do. Once I get the opportunity, I dive in both feet and I go right. The more knowledge and more understanding I have and the more I speak the language, right, the more I understand their terminology, their words the more comfortable I'm going to be when I get in front of them. You mentioned that the position that you took over, the last three people had only lasted 90 right. days. Right. How were you able to take a position that in literally 12 months, there were four different managers? How did right. you take that and really start driving change within that organization, within that, that group that you were leading? You know, look, I just try to consolidate as much information. You know, our company had gone through a lot of transformation and there was a point in time in some of the chaos of leadership change where people were able to hide. And we all know it. You know, we all see when organizations go through turmoil, there's people that aren't doing anything, any, you know, during the day and they're still getting their paycheck. And that that's what had happened. It wasn't, you know, there were just people that had gotten away with not doing anything. So for me, it was learning as much as I could, gathering as much information as they had put together, and then coming up with a direction of what made sense of where we were trying to go, and then laying out a clear pathway. Again, you can't follow a road if you don't know where it is you're supposed to go. And sometimes you only have visibility to the next two weeks. Sometimes you got visibility for the next two years. But visibility is visibility, right? You know, my family and I, we like to backpack and hike. And there's times we were talking about last night at dinner, we went hiking where we were in a cloud where we were hiking. So our visibility it felt a little bit like an 80s slasher movie, right? You kept wondering who was gonna come out from around a tree, but you only had visibility of 10, 20 yards because it was a heavy cloud. But that's where you hiked. You just, you followed the path and you, you went with what you could see and you went at the pace that you can move comfortably and still see and be comfortable. And in business, I think it's the same way. So I laid out a path. And we started going. And as we learned more and got feedback and all those things that come in and help drive your direction, we added to the plan and, and the path. Mm, that's so good. You talked about people hiding, right? Like oh, yeah. that's what so many people do, especially if you have a remote sales team, they can do just enough to get by. And as long as they're not ruffling feathers and they're kind of close to their quota, then managers leave them alone. But I am very outside of the box. I'm like, yeah, no, if you're always just close, or right at it, that means you're not really pushing yourself. You're just in your comfort zone. So I want to kind of push you a little bit further. And sometimes that push, like you said, may push them out, but they need to understand this is the new culture and this is what the we're going to be doing. What did you do for those hiders, those lurkers? How did you really impact upon the organization? Like this is our vision for the future. This is what we're going to be doing. 
Well, so let me fast forward to the current company that I'm in, right? And I'm comfortable talking about it. I won't name any names. But, you know, when I came to the company, I had seen historically a higher turnover rate. I'd seen, you know, you see it, we all do, people that always, you know, oh, I've got a job at this company and then three months later, they're somewhere else. And I'd seen this company, I'd seen Atlas IED's name in that where people were moving from one place, you know, and coming to Atlas for a few months and then going. So when I came here, my first thought process was I've got to listen. I've Mm. got to listen. And the first thing I need to do is learn what's working, not Mm. what's not. And so, because what's in motion and has positive momentum, we can use that, right? And then we'll work on the other stuff that we have to. So I started off my first week with every one of my reports, I had two phone calls, right? One was like a 30 minute, hey, this is who I am. I have, I have a family. I have kids. This is what I've done in my career. Tell me about yourself, right? Build some personal rapport. And then I had a call that was, it's about an hour and a half to two hour call, but I had 10 questions, And I told them, I said, look, I've got my Microsoft notes here. All I'm going to do is write what you say. And I'm going to ask 10 questions. And if you really want me to come in and help you fix and grow this company, and you want to be part of it, this is your opportunity to be as honest as you're willing to be. This is your chance, right? And I'm going to ask these 10 questions and you can say anything you want. I'm not I won't respond unless I ask you to elaborate something or something that just goes way too long. I might have to cut it short, right? And my first question was, what does the company do well? And my second question was, what does the company not do well? Well, I had one person that they went like 45 minutes on this, right? (laughs) And you're getting a lot of good information. You're also learning a lot about your person. And so through the process, I was able to gather a lot of stuff and find commonalities and then being transparent, because I think it's really important as a leader, I came back to all of them and said, look, here's the compiled results of what you all told me. And these are things that I think are easy to fix. And we can go work on that together. Does everybody agree that that would be valuable, that that would be beneficial if we worked on this stuff and got this stuff fixed? And they all went, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Immediately, I got their buy-in on it. I gave them a chance to, you know, for me to come in and start solving their problems. And it pulled anybody that was hiding out. So you pull those people into the process. And then they're all accountable for helping. I didn't say I'm going to go solve it. I said, we're going to, we can go solve this stuff together and we can get rid of this. I may be the point of the spear, right? I may be the one that has to go have the conversations with the CEO or, you know, whatever. That's fine. That's what I signed up for. Um, If I don't have the confidence to do that, I shouldn't have taken the job. But the next most important thing to me is the culture. And the culture in the team is what I can control and impact the culture of the company. And so by setting up and being very clear about what we were going to work on, as I started solving their problems, I started being able to insert my solutions for other things that weren't named, that were obvious to me based on my experience. Hey, by the way, we're working on this, but I want to make sure we get this too. And they would go, oh, and some of them may have thought, man, we never talked about that one, but nobody ever said that. And the end result was we started removing obstacles. People started feeling better about it. And then it became, I got to verify that you're really pulling your own weight, right? And you could see who was doing it or not. You could see who was prepared, who could talk about what their pipeline looked like, who could talk about projects, who could name names, right? I've told them all, if I ask you about a project and you start with, um, that's a bad sign, right? Uh, (laughs) Oh, bad sign, stalling for an answer, 
not a good sign. Like you got to know what's in your pipeline. You got to know what's going on, right? And if you can't answer those questions and stay on top of it, and we're not seeing orders come in when you say they're going to come in, and we're not seeing activity, or at least understanding why. And obviously, gosh, the last couple of years, we've been through a couple of major events, global supply chain challenge, COVID, all that stuff. So certainly there are just a couple of little things. And that's obviously slowed down and given us reasons for why things haven't come in, but you just had to be reasonable through that process. And through that, you can establish your core values. What really matters, right? For me, it really matters that as a team, we compete with each other, but we focus on the competitors outside the building, the other people that we sell against, right? So it's great to have salespeople that want to push each other, but I also want them to be each other's biggest supporters, right? When somebody else gets a big order, I don't want them to be like, I want them to be like, great job. That's good for the company, right? But I also want you to be pushing to be the one that got that big order so that everybody's calling you going, hey, congratulations, right? And so we spend a lot of time celebrating our wins as a group so that everybody gets to hear those kudos, pats on the back, all those kind of things. And the great thing is everyone's gotten to be the hero at some point in time in the last few years by getting that big order in and saving the month or saving the quarter or whatever. And everyone's been the GOAT where it didn't work out and you're like, I'm doing everything right. You're like, just stay patient, stay focused. And you know, when they're calling the other salespeople frustrated, they're hearing the same message because we built that culture. Wow. That right there, everyone listening, that is a complete masterclass on how you step into an organization, get buy-in very quickly and start executing on the things that need to happen. Because the roadmap or the recipe that I heard is, hey, I'm just Michael, I'm just introducing myself. Now I want to understand from you what's good, what's not so good, so we can work together to solve them. And you don't just listen to the words they're saying, you listen to how they're saying it, you listen to their body language, you listen to their demeanor. How long are they complaining? How long are they giving solutions? Are they making excuses? Like, so as a leader, having that kind of conversation with your salesperson, whether you've been in the position two months, two years, 20 years, if you don't have this information, you really should understand it. Don't just use your preconceived notions of what you think this person is like or what you think they may do. Really use their words. And then you take that and you say, we're a team. We win as a team, we lose as a team. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna work on one, two, three things. And then you help them all celebrate their wins. And when somebody needs to be uplifted, they have the collective team around them because at some point everyone has been in that seat. So really building that strong organization based on the culture, the way everybody collaborates with each other, that's what drives sales. I mean, so many sales leaders are out here beating people with the CRM and KPIs and all of this and that. And yes, it does have a place, but that's not what we lead with. We lead with you're a human being and this is the behavior that drives sales. And so that is what we need to do to push the needle forward. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't say it better. You lead with culture, right? We use the tools, CRM and and KPIs are tools that help with the direction of where the trail is gonna go. But we lead with culture first and foremost, right? So I have, if you don't mind, I'll keep this one short, but I have the same conversation with every person that works for me, right? And I tell them it's the first conversation we have after they start. Obviously, we go through all the interview process, but it's the first conversation. And through the interview process, I'm really looking for culture, right? Can I talk to this person? Am I going to be able to call them and tell them that there's a problem and they're going to be able to handle that, right? Because I've got to be able to 
deal with a world of conflict, right? We're salespeople. That's what we deal with all the time. And there's going to be times I need to be able to call someone and say, hey, I don't think we had the right game plan here, the right approach. And there's going to be other times where I'm going to be like, you know, you need to be able to call me and say, hey, I didn't get the support from this other team area or I, you know, I felt like you let me down or whatever. That's okay. That we have to have those conversations. So I'm listening for that. I'm asking questions about that through the interview process because I need to know that you're going to come in and fit the culture we built. But the conversation is really simple. I hate surprises even on my birthday. So don't let me get surprised. That's rule number one, right? There's a problem. You call me about it. Rule number two is good news is great, but bad news comes first, right? Again, as a sales leader, my job is to remove obstacles for you. I can use my title. I can use my relationships. I can use my pool with the other senior managers in the team or in the company to potentially help get you out of a problem, but I can't do it if I don't know about it, right? Now, if I find out about a problem from somebody else in the team, that's like two strikes, right? <laughs> you got to, you, you call me first. Okay. I don't care day or night. You call me first because again, I can't help you if I don't know there's a problem, right? It's a servant attitude, right? The third thing is we do what's right because it's the right thing to do, not because it makes people happy. Mm. So as I tell them all, you learned everything you need to know in kindergarten, right? We don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't steal. We hold hands when we cross the street. We, we don't do anything that even smells like we were being unethical in the way we go win, hmm. right? And I always tell them, this is your official warning on that, right? Everything else you'll get a chance. This one, this is your official warning, hmm. right? You won't get a chance. If I find out you lied, cheated, steal, misled, any of that stuff, our next conversation will be, I wish you the best of luck, hmm. right? And then the fourth thing is, you're absolutely welcome to disagree with me. There's nothing wrong with that. I have my own opinions based on the information that I have. But if you think I'm just off my rocker, don't call and tell all the other salespeople. <laughs> call me. Right? In the old day, come into my office, right? Come talk to me. Shut the door and let's have an honest adult-to-adult -adult conversation. And I will drop my expectations and just listen without judgment to what you have to say. And if you absolutely can bring a compelling reason or compelling point that I didn't consider or information I didn't, that helped me adjust my direction, I'm glad to do that, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I get paid to make decisions as a sales leader. So at the end of the conversation, I'm going to make a decision. I'm not gonna spend days thinking about it. I'm gonna make a call. And at that point, we're all on the same page, right? So we're not going back and complaining that he didn't agree with me. No, I'll explain to you why. I'll open the books. I'll show you the stuff that maybe you don't need to know as a salesperson. But in this case, I'm going to tell you, I'll give you perspective. I don't mind. But then we're going to focus on getting back to work, right? And we're just going to realize that that didn't work out the way you wanted it to. Mm -hmm. And I've been, I've absolutely changed my mind, right? When people have come and given me a compelling reason to understand why my decision maybe wasn't, you know, fully informed. That's okay. And that's it. If you can follow those four rules and you can put your work ethic in every day and you can work with the team every day, you probably have a chance to be successful. And it's amazing to me how many people can't follow those four rules. Yeah, I just um, recently onboarded a new employee. And so I'm, you know, what we as leaders have to do, we have to mentor our next generation of leaders. So I just promoted somebody up to become a manager. And one of the things that I overheard her telling the new employee is, 
be honest with Wesleyan. <laughs> she likes to, if you're not honest with her, that is her Achilles heel. Like, I need to know. Like, you need to tell me the consequences. Like, don't worry about that. We can figure it out together. But like you said, yeah. if I find out from somebody else, oh, that's a big problem. Because you didn't Absolutely. come to me. And then I have to be introspective and say, was there something I did that made you feel uncomfortable with sharing this with me? Was it my reaction or was this your insecurity? And then once I work through that, then we can move forward. But there is something that I call being a hot leader. Yes, hot. <laughs> Honest, open, transparent, right? And that yeah, is yeah, what cool. we literally, as strong leaders, we should always have that hot mentality and yeah, not hot swerving off as soon as something happens, but be honest, be a yeah, person absolutely. of your word, do what you say you're going to do. I expect you as a team to do this and I'm going to hold myself to the same standard. Yeah, Open. Yeah. Openness is yes. I've not always been perfect, but this is where I am now. And this is how we're going to get to the next level and being transparent. Transparency is, Hey guys, I know you may not want to do this. However, I just had a board meeting and if we don't do X, Y, and Z, then I'm going to be on the chopping block. You guys are still going to be here, but they told me that my job is on the line. So I need you to help me save my job. That's being transparent. That's being vulnerable. And for a lot of yeah. leaders, they can't lean into that. They can't get into that vulnerability to be like, oh, I, I'm going to tell them what's going on behind the scenes. But that's the only way that we grow as leaders and our teams grow also. Well, I so love that. You have no idea how much we're aligned. So I use the word vulnerable all the time. I'm a 54-year-old guy. And saying vulnerable, people sometimes look at me like, but I tell the team. So we have we have a sales meeting every week, right? Like every sales team does. But mine alternates. So one week, it's everybody in the company that impacts sales. So product management, customer service, marketing, all those people. And they, they've got one hour a week to get everything into the sales team they need to, right? Because I can't have my salespeople spending hours in meetings that aren't related to sales, right? You can't hold them accountable for a number and then go, but I need you eight hours in other stuff. And when I came here, that was a problem. So I said, look, you get one meeting, one hour every two weeks. And guess what? It works fine. Everybody's able to get in what they need to. And if something special, like brand new products coming out, we're doing training, Obviously, that's an exception, right? But for the most part, it works fine. The other meeting, the other every other week, is just myself and my direct reports. And the whole theme of that meeting is be vulnerable. This is where we get better. This is where you have to admit, I don't do this well. Hey, I've been trying to sell this. I've been trying to talk to a customer about this, and I, I didn't go well, or I tried a demo, and the product didn't work like it, or I whatever it is, or I'm struggling with CRM and I can't figure out how to make this work. And, you know, people are on me about, I got to be tracking this stuff, but I can't, oh, guess what? Your email and, and CRM aren't synced. They're not, that's why. And But you got to have those conversations and everybody's got to be willing to be the learner and everyone's got to be willing to be the teacher in that session. And I will tell you that my team loves that. In fact, they have, they have lobbied me to only to do that meeting three times a month and do the other meeting only once a month <laughs> uh, instead of every other week. And it's just because they all professionally get better during that time. Mm -hmm. They learn something most weeks. They go, oh, that's good. And you know what? When you're out there doing this every day, 
that's all you're looking for. Hey, give me one more little tool, one more little nugget, one more thing that I tried that last week and it blew up on me and you did it and it worked. How'd you do it? Hmm. That's right? so good. You know, the thing is there's so many sales leaders out there that have these sales meetings that just make me pull my hair out. I'm like, why are you going through the CRM? Why do you have this put like this? You should do this on your own and then you bring up issues. But yeah. using your sales meeting, what it is meant to do, which is moving the needle. And if that's moving the needle on product knowledge, what's happening on customer service side, what problems they're seeing in the field, issues with customers, all of those things. And then also, hey, I'm a salesperson and I'm struggling with this. Can someone help me? And you let them, I like to call it mastermind around that. You let them collectively work together as a group to really overcome those obstacles. And you're right. Because as a leader, it's like, I know how, and I always tell people as a leader, as a business owner, I should know how to do everything in my business or everything that my team is doing, but I don't have to know how to do it well. Like my podcast, I am so very, very happy to know that all I have to do is show up and do an amazing interview. Everything before is done by somebody else and everything after is done by somebody else. I do not desire to know how to edit videos. I just don't, right? I know what good looks like, but I don't have to do it myself. And as leaders, we have to recognize that we have to let those strongholds go. We don't have to do everything. We don't have to touch everything. We don't have to be everything to everyone. We need to allow our team to do some of those things. No, it's exactly right. And listen, my team is much better at selling every day than I am. I'm good. They're better, right? Mm -hmm. And the great thing is I tell them, use my title, use my stuff to help you, right? Hey, I need to bring my, I'm going to bring my VP in for this. I'm going to, you know, I'm, when next time we go out and do a meeting, I'm going to, I'm going to have my VP fly in. Right. And people go, Oh, this person must be important. Okay, great. Yeah. When I come off the back row of American airlines, I feel really <laughs> important, right? all the way by the bathroom, and, and, you know, but what I can do is bring a bigger picture perspective and a level of confidence in the company and, and, and reinforce the message that my salesperson has brought in and help them go be successful. Right. And that, again, my job is to remove obstacles for them. Their job is to sell, right? But my job is to remove obstacles that keep them from being able to sell effectively. And if I do that, yes, we review CRM. Yes, we go through opportunities. Yes, we do forecasting. Like any company, we have to do that stuff. But do we do that in meetings that consume everybody's time? Only the forecast meeting. (laughs) And we do that. Well, once a month, we do that one. But we have to, and especially in the world we live in with supply chain as a hardware manufacturer, gosh, it's such a a struggle that if we don't give clear sight to our product purchasing people and those folks, then we won't have something to sell. So the both sides of the house have to really connect through this process. And three years ago, people didn't even know what supply chain meant. Now everyone has the textbook definition of it. So those kind of things, it's worth the time. And it's actually built confidence in other leaders in the company because they sit in that meeting, the forecast meeting, and they listen to the salespeople talk about the opportunities and the activity of what's going on in the field. And I tell them all, you guys can ask these guys any questions you want, right? These men and women are prepared. And so they'll go, so what are you hearing from the field about this? Or what's the customer set? And they can drill the answer off because they're, they're doing it. And the end result is that people who's, and we all know there's always senior leaders in the company are like, how oh, those sales guys, are they really even working? I mean, I just see their expenses. Are they really doing? Well, not mine, because mine are sitting in that meeting going, 
they know what they're talking about. They're out there hustling. They've got activity. They're closing deals they told us they were going to close. So their confidence level in the team is high. Mm -hmm. And if you come into this team now and you don't meet that expectation, it becomes really clear really quickly. Oh, Michael, 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 we can talk forever and ever and ever because you're talking about your salespeople taking ownership of their business, like actually thinking about it like this is their own small business and I put into it what I get out. I need help because I can't actually go into the warehouse and make these parts myself, right? I can't make sure the order is sent to all the right facilities. And so that every salesperson needs to think about their book of business, their territory as their own small business, because it's input output. The more you do to understand your customers, your territory, the needs of what they need, you can translate that back into the organization. And that means they can better serve your customers, right? It's a full cycle loop. Absolutely. So as we, like I said, we could probably talk for like 90 minutes because we're so well aligned. But as we wrap up, I always like to ask you this final question. What is one thing, just one thing within your personal or professional life you are most excited about having accomplished? Uh, Gosh, so everybody's got their own personal philosophy of why we're here. And Mm -hmm. mine is that we're here to try to make the world a better place. And we've got four children, two biological, two adopted. Um, The oldest two I made do charity when they were growing up because I don't think fundamentally we're charitable. I think Mm. fundamentally we're kind of selfish. So I made them donate their money or their time to things that they cared about, right? It didn't matter, Mm. right? When my agenda was theirs, but they had to do it. But then when we were faced with the opportunity, we stepped up and did it and and brought two kids in out of foster care and Mm. are Fighting like crazy. It's not always easy. They're two teenage boys now. Some days good, some days bad. Some hours good, some hours bad. (laughs) But the fact that I think we tried to live by the credo that we try to teach as well, I think that probably makes us a better person. And I think that very much contributes to how we approach business as well and how I approach business, right? We didn't come here to destroy. We weren't sent here to destroy each other. We were put here for whatever you believe while we're here, we're to lift each other up. And I think we do that in the way we manage. And I think I do that in the the way we parent and all of that. Wow. You gave me chills. That was, that's amazing. I always say that, you know, my philosophy is the same. I have been so lucky, so blessed to have this talent And what my calling is to share my time, my talent, my expertise with those around me so I can help uplift others because I didn't get to where I am by myself. And so I like to pour back into people. And the fact that you have adopted two children after raising two of your own biological children, that definitely speaks volumes to the type of person that you are. You're kind. It was a family decision, obviously. And there's been a lot of sacrifice and a lot of work and we have great kids. We, our life is much better because they have, we have them in our lives. So yeah. it sounds like we're superheroes. We're not, we get a lot, we get a lot more than we give. And uh, now if they'll just, you know, finish high school and move out, it'd be great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Spoken like a true leader, minimizing <laughs> your contribution and really talking about this. It wasn't just me. It was a team effort. It was a family decision. And they're giving to us as much as we're giving to them. 
Those are the words that true leaders lead with, lead their life personally as well as in business. And so I am so honored. I have enjoyed our time together so much, Michael. Yeah, me too. Oh, thank you. And if people want to get in contact with you, what is the one best way? LinkedIn. It's uh, just Michael, P-E-V-E-L-E-R. You can search me there. Atlas IED is the company. And uh, yeah, just reach out to me. You can contact me directly through it. Awesome. Well, thanks again for sharing your wealth of knowledge and all of your many, many years of being in sales leadership, transitioning from education, and really helping us understand what it takes to build strong teams from the beginning, not in two months, three months, 10 years, but how you grab that organization by the horns and really write it. So thank you so much again, Michael. No, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Really enjoy it. And that was another episode of the Transformed Sales Podcast. Remember, in what all you do, it is most important to serve, not sell. Have a wonderful day until we meet again.